Welcome, everybody. Hope you're all having a good day so far. Today is October the 6th, and today and uh, this is the afternoon show. A little bit later than normal. I was going to say the morning show, and I looked down, and it's uh, 12.11 where I'm at here in uh, Clutch City, Houston, Texas. And uh, shout out to everybody out there, whether you're watching on YouTube, BitChute, LBRY, Brightian, iTunes Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify. We are on all the platforms now. They can't stop us now. Well, they probably can, but we're going to do our best to go tit for tat with them. So uh, let's start here. Let me share my, make sure I'm sharing my screen. Uh, we're going to start with Whitmer, also known as Whitler, sometimes with a capital H. Uh, Michigan attorney says, burn your masks after, um, excuse me. Michigan attorney says, burn your masks and forget COVID emergency orders after state Supreme Court decision. So this is in Michigan, obviously, as reported by Fox10Phoenix.com. So the Michigan Supreme Court on Friday issued a ruling about Whitler's emergency orders not being legal. And the the key thing to remember here is uh, Whitler was trying to do unilateral executive orders, which means no involvement of the General Assembly or the whatever they call it in, in Michigan, the state Congress. The governor just wanted to have total unilateral control. And that's why uh, her nickname of Whitler is uh, so, so apt, because if you look at the history of, of uh, Germany in the 30s, it was the Enabling Act, which is really cited as what gave Hitler, his uh, totalitarian dictatorship uh, and the reins on uh, the country and uh, the continent. So basically, it just allowed uh, Hitler to pass executive orders, which is what we have in the United States, both at the federal and the state level. So um, let's keep let's keep reading through this here. Uh, They call it a stunning ruling. Why is it stunning? It's clearly anti-constitutional what she's doing. It's stunning that we have a Supreme Court actually make a good decision for once. Uh, She illegally drew authority from a 1945 law that doesn't apply, they said. One aspect of the court uh, pointed out that um, so I guess her tactic was (laughs) just to scrap that previous sentence I was starting. Her tactic, I guess, was to keep doing new emergency orders as if that gave gave her a new period of time even though I guess any given executive order can only, or state of emergency or whatever she employed, can only last for so long. And as you know, we've been going for like nine, uh, ten months now uh, of just two more weeks, just two more weeks. It's absolutely ridiculous on every level. Oh, it says right here, the state of emergency is meant to last but 18 days. So the article goes on. Uh, This is from their ruling, I believe. Quote, the governor does not possess the authority to exercise emergency powers under the emergency powers of the Governor Act of 1945. Because the act is an unlawful delegation of legislative power to the executive branch in violation of the Michigan Constitution. Now, that's interesting. So there is an act, Emergency Powers of the Governor Act, and they are saying that that act is an unlawful delegation of legislative power. That's really interesting. So that would seemingly throw out 
the ability of her to even do this and all of her previous decisions to do this. Um, let's see what else it says here. So, uh, interesting. They had two rulings, I guess. One was unanimous seven to zero. One was just barely squeaking by with a four to three, what they call a uh, conservative edge there. Or we'll, we'll find the exact quote. They use it a couple times. So they're saying that she has zero authority to act like Hitler here in Michigan. <laughs> I like that this is a, looks like it's going to be a good quote. Quote, the governor has some very creative reading skills when it comes to our state laws in Michigan and the Constitution. <laughs> creative reading skills. See, I think that's putting it too nicely. It's funny, but what I think it is is they're purposely pretending to misunderstand the Constitution. And yeah, you could say they're, they have ignorance of the law, but that's giving them a lot of credit. I'm pretty sure they're just pretending to misinterpret it because it gives them, it gives them more power, right? So I always say that misinterpreting the Bill of Rights does not grant the government more rights. Misinterpreting the Constitution does not give any branch of any government more rights. In fact, they're breaking the rules, and, and that puts them out on a limb, whereas the book can be thrown at them. And it should. If it's going to be thrown at anyone, it should be thrown at the um, King George wannabes. On Monday, Whitmer said that more than 800,000 people could, go, could lose unemployment benefits if the ruling goes into effect immediately. She's threatening almost a million people's unemployment benefits. Which, like him or hate him, I, I know that it's a welfare policy, but I feel like if we're going to do anything in this country um, collectively for the benefit of people who are downtrodden, I think unemployment makes some sense if there's some rules with it, um, because that person's been paying taxes, and then they fall on hard times, and they need some help. So uh, we'll, we'll not dive into that on this episode. But it is interesting always to, to think about each of these issues. And I brought up the other day, I don't think I did a great job of explaining my concerns with the political spectrum the other day when we were covering that article from Politico talking about Facebook, uh, how, how the far right dominates Facebook because it's more visceral. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, what does far right mean? And there's so many different ways you can interpret left to right. Basically, you're talking about a spectrum, right? Left, right, center. And you can put any metric on that spectrum. You can say, okay, how collective do you want to be? That would work on a one-dimensional spectrum. But I feel like every single issue should be addressed on a spectrum. Like unemployment benefits. People need to pick a side on that. And we need to, to debate how that should work. And every little issue, people need to have a, a stance on, I think. Instead of just jumping into one of two buckets, which is dumb as can be. Now, the governor says the new order doesn't go into effect for at least three weeks. Now, I'm not sure if she's talking about the Supreme Court ruling. I think she's talking about the ruling. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. So this is Whitmer's quote here. It is important to note that the ruling does not take effect for at least 21 days. 
And until then, my emergency declaration and orders retain the force of law, she said. Further, so yeah, it's definitely Whitmer. She goes on, quote, furthermore, after 21 days, many of the respective, excuse, many of the responsible measures, gosh, I can't read, many of the responsive measures I have put in place to control the spread of the virus will continue under alternate sources of authority that were not an issue in today's ruling. So that's her stance on Friday. And a few days have passed, actually. Today is Tuesday, right? Time is flying. Quote, um, okay, this is Henry, which who, who I think has been arguing the case. I think this is the Michigan attorney that we heard in the, the headline of this article. Quote, that means burn your masks already. Uh, well, let me, let me take a step back. Uh, Henry said that's not true, the article writes. She said it means that we can ignore all mask mandates, social distancing, and more effective on Friday and more effective on Friday at 4.35 p.m. So, uh, quote, that means burn your masks right now if you didn't already. Open your gym and movie theater and open whatever business you have. Again, this isn't me, although eh, sounds it rings a bell. <laughs> um, this is, oh, not Henry, Herney, uh, who is fighting this case. Let's see if we can figure out who that is here. Catherine. Oh, this says Catherine Henry. Man, this article, maybe that's why it's hard to read. It's um, looks a little rushed. So it is Henry. It just says Herney here. Maybe that's a, a nickname or something. Go on. And this is uh, to continue the burn your masks quote. Quote, go on and frequent whatever business you would like to go to. If you have a church that's limited services because of how you're reading the EOs, the executive orders, forget that. All those executive orders based on COVID-19 circumstances from 2020, they're out, they're gone, they're done, Henry said. Very interesting. Let's see if there's anything in this last paragraph. Uh, Quote, our United States Supreme Court doesn't have the jurisdiction to hear these kinds of cases. They can only answer issues about if our state law or our state constitution violated the federal law or federal constitution. So the highest court in the land that can answer those questions has spoken. Of course, referring to the Supreme Court of Michigan. Last line here, the decision has been rendered. It's there as of Friday at 4.35, so she can try and whine and complain all she wants. She's not going to get anywhere. You know where I'd like to see her go? (laughs) And uh, that's a question I have. It's like, why at this point can't she be arrested? Is there literally nothing that the governor can do to get arrested? Are they like above the law or something? Um, Why doesn't, why don't the police just go arrest her? All right, next story. Uh, Whitler rails against Michigan's Supreme Court striking down two coronavirus emergency acts. So this is, uh, we might have already covered this in the last article, but basically Whitmer's coming back and uh, she's angry that her authority has been questioned by a higher court. Uh, Let's see if there's any good quotes here. Quote, the threat is still very real. And the sad irony is that on the day that the president was admitted to the hospital with the very virus he called a hoax, the Supreme Court in Michigan undermined my emergency rule. (laughs) The Supreme Court undermined her. My emergency orders that I've had to enact that puts us in the same state as all other states in this nation to save lives. 
the excuse we're hearing time and time and time again. Man, if they told you to jump off a bridge to save lives, would you do it? I mean, this is nonsense. We really have to attack this argument right here because we heard it. We, we hear it time and time again. Uh, one that really sticks out at me is the Virginia health official who said he's going to uh, use his authority, um, his perceived authority, to mandate vaccinations with no religious or personal exemptions. Um, he said, oh, we're going to save hundreds of lives, so of course I'm going to do it. So I really hate this saving lives excuse because they could just say anything and say it's going to save lives. You know, so uh, here's another quote. <laughs> she she claims to have saved thousands of lives and the Supreme Court on a slim majority Republican vote undermined that effort. It doesn't matter if you save lives. You broke the law. You should be in jail as far as I'm concerned. All right, here's Trump. This view, this video has already gotten uh, 21 million views, 21 and a half million views now. Um, this is him talking about the vaccines are on the way. And uh, this is what people keep forgetting when they say, oh, Trump is is my president. He's so great. He said, don't be afraid of COVID. Yeah, I get it. That's a good message. If he had stopped right there, don't be afraid of COVID. We're going to open up the country. Anyone who doesn't allow people to, to travel or to open their business or to go into a business, if people discriminate against you for not wanting to undergo a medical invention, intervention, then that's a, a big crime, a big problem. And we all need to call them out for treason or so. I don't know. There's there's things that I would applaud him for saying, but he always throws this caveat about, oh, well, don't worry, because uh, we have our new priests. We have our new white lab coat wearing priest class and they have all the answers. So just uh, give them all your money. And don't worry about a thing. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders. And I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went. I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. So he's basically going through his tweets that hit well. <laughs> he had put all these thoughts out in tweets and, and people ran with them and really liked them. And I think that's why he put it into a video here um, on the Truman Balcony. Nonetheless, did you guys know this was called the Truman Balcony? We'll be getting into that a little bit later and what I think about that. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, Trump here. Oh, this is classic Mind control. Uh, there, I'm writing a book about this, trying to go through every way that people manipulate others' minds, like the well-known ways. And then also I'm going to cover the social media machine learning um, apparatus that's going to change the game. It already has. But this is what's called a testimonial, right? And it's a very effective way to, to sell something to somebody. You get someone, especially someone that uh, they think is similar to them, somebody that they admire and respect and is a role model for them. And then you have them make a passionate case for the product. And what he did right there is he said, um, I was feeling bad and then I had this miracle cure and now I'm feeling great. Better than I felt in 20 years, he said. 
I mean, talk about a salesman. Better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there. Be careful. We have the best medicines in the world, and it all happened very shortly, and they're all getting approved. Get out there. We have the best medicine in the world. It's like, what are you talking about? Man, this is like pushing the flu shots to the next level. Remember how they used to push the flu shots? Um, man. All right, let's see. Oh, the, the last bit here, the last 10 seconds where he's doing the classic Paul Revere line refashioned for the tyrannical oppressive world we live in. And the vaccines are coming momentarily. The vaccines are coming. The vaccines are coming. Thank you very much. And Walter Reed, what a group of people. Thank you very much. Man, if someone yelled, the vaccines are coming, I I, I get this like um, visceral reaction where it's like we're under attack. It's like, oh, the, the vaccines are coming. Shoot, we need to hunker down and <laughs> and I, I won't say what I was going to say. Um, OK, this people are saying is going to be the death of Joe Biden's campaign, although I don't know if people haven't seen the evidence already that show this guy is a creep. I don't think they're going to really be convinced by this one. But I mean, listen to the crowd. It's so awkward. And then we'll dissect exactly what he said. Good news is for me, I'm here. The bad news for you is I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And I want to see these beautiful young ladies. I want to see them dancing when they're four years older, too. So it's great to see you. So people are trying to make sense of what he said there. Let me play the key part again here. Young ladies, I want to see them dancing when they're full young. And I want to see these beautiful young ladies. I want to see them dancing when they're four years older, too. So it's great to see you. So thank So that sounded like a very awkward, cringeworthy moment. I mean, the whole situation here is cringe. They're standing in circles. I mean, <laughs> they're standing in circles. I don't know how many people are there. That Maybe that's a, like a big response at this event. Maybe there's like 10 people there. But that sounded awkward as can be. And a shout out in the chat to Kelly Kibo. Good to see you, Kelly. Uh, I need to reach out to you about something. Okay, so let's keep going here. Um, what was I going to say about this? Okay, so he says, I want to be back here in four years to see those girls dancing. And the crowd just like, is awkward. It, it, it was not well received. Now, we don't know what was happening off camera. Maybe there were just some people dancing around, having fun. And uh, he's like, okay, I want to win and come back in four years and talk to you guys again. And hopefully they'll be back and, and having fun. But it's just, it comes across really, really, really cringe and awkward. Because it's like, to everyone watching, the, we can all we all we can picture is like some, maybe like a 15, 14 year old, and then him saying something about like once they reach the legal age, uh, that's how a lot of people are interpreting it. So, uh, but to be to be fair, Trump said a very similar uh, thing a, a while back. Let me see if I can find that. 
We'll get to that in a second here. Uh, but remember, he said something to like, a, I think it was like a 14 year old girl. He's like, in 10 years, I'm going to date her. Believe me or something. So, I mean, these guys are not good role models. They're not really the best we've got. America's not sending us their best. All right, let's go to the next one. Okay, this is a song um, that Jake Gibson made. I'm going to share this in the, the chat. Um, Jake Gibson, Joe Biden's official, uh, it's not his official campaign song, but it's pretty funny. This is the type of um, meme combat that we're seeing uh, some people take against Joe and his uh, grubby hands. Joe Biden, Joe Biden loves to touch little children. Loves to grow up on some women. Joe Biden, Joe Biden. Loves to touch little children. Joe Biden, Joe Biden. Loves to touch all the women. We're creepy, creepy Joe. He's losing all control. in her ear Tell her something she don't want to hear She pulls away Alright, moving on. I just had to play that and share that link. I'm going to put it one more time in the chat. Very disturbing video of this guy. So what has he done off the camera? I don't even... Well, I don't want to say I don't want to know because people deserve justice. And I know it's a little goofy there. And I, I hate that um, these children have to be shown over and over again and, you know, politicized kind of because people want Joe to lose. And that's why they're, you know, that's some of the reason why people are calling him out at this point. Uh, but it should be said. I think people need to know the full story because a lot of people are going to be like in three years <laughs> once he's won. Figuring out all this stuff that a lot of people already knew, if he wins, I should say. Um, and people are going to be like, why didn't you tell us? We would like to know that. So, AJ says, pedos deserve no justice. I think everyone deserves justice, but justice is a bad thing if you're a bad person. <laughs> you know, justice is not, um, it's not always a good thing to the person receiving justice. At least that's my interpretation of the word. Okay, Jesse Jesse Kelly says there is more evidence Joe Biden. I can't read. Jesse Kelly says there is more evidence Joe Biden is a pedophile than there is that Donald Trump is a white supremacist. Why has Joe Biden not been asked repeatedly to denounce pedophilia? And uh, we covered this uh, the other day. Uh, this guy right here is in the background of this weird picture with Joe. Um, and he was just caught, I believe, um, trying to meet up with a 14-year-old boy who turned out to be predator poachers who are, um, I think, doing a good civil service, keeping uh, the children safe. But I don't know if that's the same guy, but it could be. All right, let's keep going. Uh, CNN, just completely obsessed with Trump. Look at this photo here of their homepage. 
with every time they say Trump highlighted, it's just completely dominating the news cycle here. And even the ones where they don't talk about it, it's still like Barrett, his uh, Supreme Court pick. and I'm surprised they, they had that much uh, space to spare. Oh, thanks, Kelly. I will definitely reach out to you. Okay, Office of the Governor of California. Going out to eat with members of your household this weekend? Don't forget to keep your mask on in between bites. So this is the new propaganda they're pushing in uh, California. And people are like, what is going on here? So it's this is the graphic they're putting out. Very bright colors, um, as you can see. COVID-19 diner tip one. So I guess we have uh, a whole series of these to look out for. Minimize the number of times you take your mask off. And then it says, the, the key thing here, though, is don't forget to keep your mask on in between bites. So this is official government advice telling you to put your mask on, take a bite, put your mask back on. crazy to see. All right. I want to just comment on something unless I want to comment on something in case anybody has any information on it. Um, This was this was CNN losing their minds, as the caption says, about Trump coming back to the White House. Let's watch a little bit of it. But they're going to say a lot about what he's doing in terms of taking the mask off on the balcony at the White House. But what they don't say or no, excuse me, what they say just briefly is that the balcony is called the Truman Balcony. Now, (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but that movie Truman Show is very, very interesting to me. And I think that, um, well, I don't know what I think. (laughs) I don't know what I think. So uh, let's just watch a little bit of this. And I'm just trying to think about that movie, The Truman Show and Trump, right? Truman, Trump, very similar words. And I think a lot of what was in that movie was... um, I don't even really like the word predictive programming anymore, but that's what people most uh, know what I'm talking about as. So let's just watch the clip without further ado. This is a few moments ago, the other side of the helicopter. Everyone, you saw it land. The cameras were on the other side. This is him getting off. Let's go one and a half speed. He walks up those stairs. So Sanjay, keep going. This is where he has the mask on, right? As he goes to the, to passes the press, doesn't take questions and is going to head up those stairs. Right. So he heads up the stairs and. And this is another thing, guys. They're, they're trying to train people, and they're using the hatred for Trump to train people. So just like they can use Trump as a role model for some people, they can use him um, and they can use him as a hated figure for other people who will just who just wants to who want to attack him to win politically. So they can be they can be steered and encouraged to take very oppressive viewpoints that they're going to put out there and they might have to, um, I don't know. It might, it might normalize it. It might normalize oppression because look, they're going to teach people that you can criticize Trump for taking off his mask here. 
And then when he gets to the top of the stairs is when he takes his mask off. And, you know, if he's going to go inside the residence, I mean, maybe that's where he's going to isolate. I, I don't know. But at that point, Caitlin was raising this issue. At that point, anybody comes in contact with him, they need to be in personal protective equipment. I mean, if he was in the hospital still, whenever the doctors went, went to go see him, they'd be in personal protective equipment. So, you know, you, you're getting a very different picture here by seeing the president like this. Doctors look at this and they say, well, what's going on inside of him? What's, what's the illness all about? And we know he has an infection with this coronavirus. We know that that infection, that, that coronavirus can be very contagious, which is why people, you know, take great pains to protect themselves uh, in the hospital. But this is well, obviously gonna come. Here a, we go. a, a very different. Takes it off. An incorrect message. And you see him here. Um, he so they also really want to say that he's struggling for air here, which he might be. He just had to wear a mask. I mean, wouldn't you wouldn't you take a couple deep breaths after you had to take a mask or wear a mask and take it off? Um, but this is like how normal people breathe. And I really hate how they are trying to mind control people into not breathing like a normal person. Like th this is just nature and uh, th how we breathe. And they want to make it so that uh, breathing through your mouth in, in you know, large amounts of air is looked at as some sort of sign of stupidity. You may have heard the term mouth breather. When anybody uses that in, in my presence, I, I chew them out because it's, it's basically like uh, conditioning people to not breathe like they should. And that really pisses me off. And the same thing with masks. I mean, they, they actually say if you can breathe normally, your mask isn't effective. It's not filtering the air. So they're, they're regulating the air that you breathe. They're taxing the air that you breathe. And it, it really is infuriating. But uh, watch here. Let, let's see who's, which side you guys are on. Do you think Trump is having trouble breathing uh, like the liberals want to say is a sign of him about to die? Or do you think that this is just how a normal person breathes or something else? Takes it off and he's getting ready for his pictures. The flags flank him. Yeah. Right, Caitlin, this is what he did. This is the moment. This is what he produced it for. He wants the image to be, I'm strong. This virus is nothing. His tweet today, feeling better than I did 20 years ago. Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. There he is. This is the image he wants. Yeah, and let us remind viewers now that the president is on steroids and a drug that fewer than 10 people outside of clinical trials have gotten inside the United States to deal with coronavirus. He had a level of treatment and a level of care that most Americans would not get. That's understandable. He is the president of the United States. Obviously, everyone expects that. But what the president is portraying by... All right, so they go on and on, but they do say it's the Truman balcony at some point. This image. And then, by the way, when you said, where, where is he going from here? He's, this is obviously still what happened a couple moments ago. He then goes back into the residence, Sanjay, and... I couldn't see exactly where he went, but he has no mask, right? He's breathing, walking around, leaves or doesn't leave. And there's a whole bunch of people standing there in the space that he just left. So they're conditioning people just like they want to condition people to say, oh, Trump acted too slow. He should have shut the world down. And then other people are saying, no, Trump, Trump acted fine. He was he was perfectly quick. He was so much stronger than all those Democrats would have been. He called out Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi said, go to Chinatown. So we're having these two sides argue over each other about who is the most oppressive and who will have a more oppressive future for the United States in terms of fighting viruses. So, and I know I'm, I'm being a little harsh on the Republicans there, but they, I, I wish they wouldn't, um, I wish they wouldn't make that argument that, Oh, look, Nancy Pelosi said, go to Chinatown. You know, that kind of stuff is, um, not helping in my opinion. All right. Next up we have, Oh, more, more conditioning, more programming. Uh, CNN telling people, uh, or they're, they're, <laughs> they're just writing this story, which I think is going to have an effect on people's minds, of course. They're saying it's reckless out there. White House reporters furious with the White House for having, quote, endangered their lives. 
Now, if you know anything about tort law, which you might not because I've only recently found this, a tort is a wrongful act or an infringement of a right other than under contract. So contracts are, are kind of a scary thing. Be very careful with what you sign since you can like give up your rights um, with a contract. And people often do, unfortunately. Um, but that's just because they they have to in a lot of a lot of cases. But if you look at uh, tort law, it has to do with harms or damages. And most civil suits. So that's when you can start getting sued if you're harming people, right? So what they're trying to do is teach people. That Trump and uh, McKenna, or however you say her name, uh, are harming or threatening to harm other people's lives. And why? They didn't even test positive for COVID. I mean, you can maybe convince me that somebody's harming someone if they test positive for a virus or something and they still go out and... Uh, harm someone. I, I I don't think that that's a big deal unless it's like they go spit on produce or something or you know what I mean? Like actively try to spread it. And maybe maybe masks apply or would actually help in cer certain circumstances if someone tests positive for a virus and they need to go out or something. I could see, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's a gray zone. They're already kind of shifting the goalposts, right? So we're, we're finding ourselves agreeing to things that we would never agree to six months or time's flying uh, 10 months ago or a year ago. So I think that's worth noting and thinking about. Look, grossly mishandled the West Wing coronavirus recklessly endangered their lives. Several of the journalists say they do not, they do not feel safe at the White House well, did the, did the White House make you go? It's so stupid. And this is going to make its way into our lives. We're going to be the ones they're going to say are harming people. We're going to be the ones that they are saying are spreading harmful information online. And that really concerns me because they're going to start suing people. They're going to start uh, locking people up maybe. We have to really uh, stand guard against that line of argumentation. All right, this is uh, interesting. New York police breaking up what seems to be a religious gathering, maybe Jewish gathering, based on the outfits, I would guess. But uh, let's let's watch. All right, the audio is a little annoying, so I'm going to mute that. But what we're seeing here for the podcast listeners is a group of people celebrating outside, some of them even jumping around, and the cops are pushing them with their sirens and their flashing lights and their bright uh, high beams, and they're trying to get these people um, to disperse and to not uh, enjoy their First Amendment rights. Next up, we have Joe Biden saying he shouldn't have called Trump a clown in the first debate. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then somebody else said, Biden said at his rally recently, and we covered this, I'm coming back and I want to see these beautiful young ladies. I want to see them dancing when they're four years older too. 
And then he said, imagine if Trump said something like that. And I was like, I think I've heard Trump say that. And I found it. Trump told a 14-year-old girl he'd be dating her soon. So I'd like to see, I'd like to know if the people calling Biden out are also going to call Trump out. Let's watch the, uh, I think there's a video in the clip. Oh, well, Major, I want to start with a short video clip from 1992 from Entertainment Tonight, which is owned by CBS Television. In it, Donald Trump is heard making questionable comments about a young girl. Let's listen to that. Soon, Thursday night. You're going up the escalator? I'm going to be dating her in 10 years. Which one's worse? Which one's worse? I think Trump's might be worse. Um, although Biden's might be worse. <laughs> Or maybe it's a tie for for worst. Okay, next up, kind of in the same uh, vein, we have Matt Schaefer, who is Texas House of Representatives. Um, I don't know if that means at a federal or state level, but he says Netflix Inc. indicted by grand jury in Tyler County, Texas, for promoting materials in the Cuties film, which depicts lewd ex- exhibition of public or of pubic area of a clothed or partially clothed child younger than 18 years of age, um, which appears to be, which appeals to the purist, prurient interest in sex. So here's the document, indictment in the name of the authority of the state of Texas, the grand jury for Texas, or for Tyler County, Texas. Um, Let's see how this word's. Uh, the defendant is presented with this indictment in the county and state Air Force said. So you can read this here. I'm going to retweet this. Tim Truth One is my Twitter if you guys want to connect on there. And that's where I post the show notes or some of them. All right, this I have to make a correction. So w- during the debate coverage, which I ended up deleting, FYI, just because I don't know about the copyright of just streaming their entire video. I'd probably be okay, but I just figured play it safe with YouTube censorship. But I, I thought Trump called Biden a number two, which I thought was really childish. I mean, it might have been funny, but I thought it was childish. And it didn't really make sense at the time. I'm like, what? What did he say? But he actually made a really good point. Joe Biden said something stupid. Joe Biden, like, was trying to pile on like he had made this huge list, uh, this huge list of things against Trump, this huge list of um, critiques of Trump's policies. But he really only said one thing. <laughs> and he tried to make it like he just said three th- or he, he was going to dive into the third bullet point. So uh, just watch this. And I don't think I explained it very well, but let's watch it. I think you'll get the point. First <laughs> I want to make sure. President, can you let him finish, sir? Sir, he doesn't know how to do that. He has, you know. He... <laughs> That's the wrong clip. Sorry, it's this one here. You'd be surprised, Trump says. This is the uh, <laughs> this is the mistake I made on the live debate coverage. I thought he, I thought Trump called Biden a number two, and I know I'm not the only person who thought that. But Trump's actually correcting something stupid that Biden said real time, and I have to give Trump's uh, mental acumen some credit here because. A lot of us missed this in real time. Before COVID? Yeah, but because what he did, even before COVID, manufacturing went in the hole. 
Manufacturing went in a hole. Excuse number me, one. Chris. Wait. Number two. Chris. Number three. They said they would take. No, you're number two. <laughs> Chris. Chris. That's really funny. He's like number one. He said that employ or number one. He put employment or what do you say? Manufacturing in the hole. Number two. Number three. <laughs> so he just kept going along. Um, that's let's watch it one more time. Yeah, before COVID. Yeah, but, but because what he did even before COVID, manufacturing went in the hole. Manufacturing went in a hole. Excuse number me, one. Chris. Wait. Number two. Chris. Number three. They said they, it would take. Yeah. No, you're number two. <laughs> I think that's really funny. Uh, point Trump on that one. Okay, uh, this is pretty funny. You might have seen this already. This is Biden getting covered with some. Like, there's not many people at this Joe Biden rally. Um, that uh, did I say Biden? Bernie. Bernie Sanders is behind this Trump sign here, and there's this one person, this Trump fan showed up and just stood right in front of him. So some people might think this is childish. Some people might think this is awesome, but it's just funny. There's nobody else there except for somebody just trolling Biden with a huge Trump flag. Check this out. They need a $15 an hour minimum wage, and that is what Joe Biden is proposing. <laughs> There's like a security guard right up in her face, and then someone comes and jumps and grabs the uh, the sign. Oh, it looks it looks like it's a um. Oh wow, this gets better the more I dissect it. So you see the car at the bottom left here. Um, I guess this is like a drive up. <laughs> This is like a drive-up event for uh, pull, for Michiganders, for Biden and Harris, which, how can you still support the lockdown after what they've done to you in Michigan? Um, and this woman just gets out of her car, I guess, and stands right in front of everyone in between Biden and the crowd and the camera. Biden, or I keep saying Biden. Bernie and the camera, Bernie and the crowd. So it's a little bit of a, a tantrum here, but I think it's kind of funny. Let's watch again listening for the the car noises because these aren't just people on the highway. These are people trying to watch Bernie speak and yet they're they're honking. They're honking to get this woman to go away. Presumably. That's funny to me. Okay, moving on. I know childish White House blocks new FDA coronavirus guidelines that may have delayed vaccine. Wow. So the White House, in their quest for warp speed, are blocking guide, or, uh, guidelines and, and regulations about the vaccine. So I'm not usually one for regulations, but I'm very concerned with the FDA and these medical products, especially when millions of people are going to get them especially when they're on the table for being forced upon people or required for things like traveling, work, school. So I think that this should be looked at with the same criticism that we would look at if anyone else did it. And I know there's a lot of Trump people with their blinders on who can't see anything wrong in him because they want him so badly to win. And they see him so much as being attacked from the other side. That they just want to, you know, even the scales, you know, give them, give them a break, kind of nudge them up a little bit. And I get that. But I think that that is being strategically used against our country 
So I have to call it out. So let's get into the details here. White House has blocked the FDA's um, stricter federal guidelines on the emergency release of a potential coronavirus vaccine. So President Vaccine is really gung-ho about the vax. So um, this was back in late September. The FDA submitted the proposal for new guidelines. Trump and other top officials uh, thought it might slow down the process. It might kind of take it from warp speed to just hella fast. And uh, hella fast isn't quite quick enough. So the guidelines included the recommendation that volunteers in the vaccine clinical trial be followed for around two months after receiving their final dose before an official vaccine authorizes granted. Oh, two months. Yeah, I see what Trump... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Two months? They, they can't even wait two months? They should be waiting like 10 years and not even really calling it a day after that. So how long do they have to wait now, I guess is my question. If two months of uh, side effect surveillance is too... It's too lengthy a period. So I'm just uh, skimming here for any other. Oh, he he says. um, Trump says, quote, why would companies have to be added, have to be adding great length to the process? We want to have people not get sick. The vaccine is very important. I think that was a political move more than anything else. So everyone says, stop politicizing the, uh, the disease. Well, everybody politicizes the disease, but they just always accuse people of what they're doing themselves. And it's all policy. So we need to, uh, we need to look at the policy and make sure it's a good one. So keep this in mind uh, for people who find themselves regularly in arguments where they're trying to sit, you know, convince people not to trust these vaccines. The process won't even wait two months to see if there's adverse events and they just want to push it out upon hundreds of millions of people, if not billions. I mean, really billions of people, right? Now, this is very concerning footage. Um... This is bus passenger kicks girl in the face for not wearing a mask. He's immediately handled by some other people on the bus, but very concerning what's going on in people's minds concerning uh, the the uh, harmful effects of this thing. He threatens to murder her, says the article. Let's watch a little bit of this. Wow. So let's skip ahead. I don't want to get a copyright strike as these viral videos sometimes will. All right. So he gets up. I think he actually kicked her back. Not that anyone really wants to see this, but it's just so hideous. Right here. He kicks her in the head. And then somebody comes and tackles him. Which, you know, I love to see. Alright, so... 
good to see people actually coming to people's aid, but the the mental problems in these maskies. I mean, maybe they just need to take a couple deep breaths. Maybe do a little mouth breathing, the the thing they love to hate. Kevin McCullough is doing some election projections. Uh, He's claiming that in 2016 he was pretty close. And uh, he is expecting a blowout, if you can call this a blowout, uh, 330 for Trump and how fitting, 33, right? And 208 for Biden. Now, remember what they're telling us about the election. They say there's going to be a red mirage, a red mirage and then a blue surge. Or what, what do they call it? The blue. I, there's something with the blue. I need to look at that back up. But it's the red mirage and then uh, all the mail-in votes get all the all the mail-in votes get there and Biden wins because <laughs> everyone, I guess, mailed their votes on Election Day or something. That's going to be interesting to cover that. Okay, this is interesting. People no longer trust the police in Victoria due to the um, crazy, crazy levels of fascism, jackbootery, and uh, just total oppression. So... Only 42% of Victorians now rate Victoria police highly for their ethics and honesty, compared to a record high 76% in mid-2017. So I wonder what it is. Is it uh, them tackling people for not wearing masks or for protesting or for arresting people and seizing and searching their devices for uh, posts on Facebook about protests? Is it... um? Is it all the fines they've been giving out? It's uh, very interesting. I also think that that's um, a lot still. 42% rate them highly for their ethics and honesty. Oh, here's what I was going to say. Is it the uh, the time they raised the Chinese flag in uh, over their police station? Let me find that. That's what I was going to pull up. People should never let them live this down. Uh, This was from October 2019. Interesting timing, right? October 2019, eh? Outrage as the Chinese flag is flown over a Melbourne police station to celebrate the 70th anniversary of the communist rule in China. Hey, happy 70th birthday, assholes. (laughs) We're going to fly your flag. Next up, Dr. Simone Gold, one of these uh, H doctors what's the drug called hydrochloroquine or something um she says wow social media companies are now censoring the medical studies of trained physicians and medical researchers when it goes against their narrative they are labeling medical studies as false news content removed she circles says this is a medical study that's very interesting remember the other day we covered that article let me see if i can pull that one up of um facebook executive talking about uh the, the problem with the human psyche and why the Republicans are doing so much better on Facebook. Um, this is the political artic- article here. I found it. Why the right wing has a massive advantage on Facebook. Again, I always have to point out, what do you mean by right wing? What are we talking about here? It's, it's, a, it's a shitty way to look at politics, if you ask me. I mean, I guess it, it, 
it is important in the sense that we have two party dominated system in the United States. So if you're talking about like Republicans versus Democrats vying for power, that is that is an interesting way to look at it. But if we're actually going to sit down and talk about what each individual's politics are, right and left, conservative and liberal don't really uh, scratch the surface. I guess they can they're just kind of painted in broad brushes. Not not the end of the world, but it does bother me how unspecific <laughs> this all is. Like when does right wing become far right? Things like that. And is am I a centrist or am I way off the spectrum? Actually, I think they'd probably call me far right because um because I don't like government tyranny, I guess. Government waste. But we covered this the other day. Basically, the Facebook executive uh, talking about the right wing uh, thriving on their platform, not because they give them an edge. It's actually extremely unbiased, they say. what? Oh, it's neutral. That's the word I was looking for. They say their platform is neutral. I'm like, is it really neutral? You delete everything that you don't like. You just demonetized a lot of people's favorite Facebooker, um, Anomaly. So a lot of people, I think, are going to start ditching Facebook. James O'Keefe says, we'll be, hi- we'll be filing a huge discrimination. I cannot read. I'm sorry. <laughs> James O'Keefe on Twitter says, we'll be filing a huge defamation lawsuit this week. Most journalists have become systematically corrupt. I will fight them in court and bring them to justice all the way to a jury verdict. My team will fight for the truth and news at any cost. And we will do that alone if necessary. So I'm guessing he's eyeing New York Times. Uh, he's been going back and forth with uh, th- uh, a writer at, on New York Times who was uh, doing damage control after his piece and his team's piece came out about the cash for ballots, ballot harvesting scheme in uh, Minnesota, I believe. So I'm looking for the tweet. He tweets a lot about uh, some backstory here about the the defamation lawsuit he's filing. I think about against New York Times. I just don't want to make you guys look at the scroll, the scrolling. That's why I'm uh, showing the thumbnail at the moment, but. Okay, here, here's uh, one explanation of it. ...for publishing explosive videos that critics say are deceptive and misleading. Well, there's that attack, the first attack, that it's deceptive and misleading. But listen to Anthony Manzani, this investigative reporter, talk about how we operate later in the video, even saying so much as that none of our sources are verifiable or identifiable. Listen to this. On Omar paid Minneapolis-area voters for their blank ballots then fill them out in support of DFL candidates. The allegation, wholly lacking verifiable evidence, comes largely from unidentified sources. Wholly lacking verifiable evidence that comes from unidentifiable sources? You can actually see the people's faces in the video. You can actually see the ballot harvester. You can see the cash exchange. You can see the currency in the video. Well, what are they talking about? unidentifiable sources. The New York Times uses unidentifiable sources all the time. They make claims quoting people without showing you anything. We actually play audio tapes here. 
in the video. It goes on, I'm gonna take you to the end of this report where they also question our ethics, attack us, listen to this. Well, tonight the New York Times, Anthony, is reporting that this is likely part of a, a coordinated disinformation campaign. What can you tell us about that? Well, that's right, George. Research. So you hear that? New York Times said this is part of a coordinated disinformation campaign. And that might be the, um, the well, uh, James O'Keefe says it here. Um, New York Times will put something out and then other people, it'll make its way through the other networks who source New York Times and then it'll find its way onto Wikipedia. And this is a big problem, how the mainstream news can just dictate reality. Researchers at Stanford University and the University of Washington are saying that's likely the case based on publicly available metadata, as well as the timing of the video's release. They say it also raises questions about if Donald Trump Jr. knew about the video's release. What is what does any of that have to do with the video's authenticity? Coordinated disinformation campaign because we embargoed the video with social media influencers, and these people at local TV are citing a New York New York Times headline that we think is defamatory, we've asked for correction, but it's already circulating through the internet, through mainstream media. This is what these people do, and this is how they do it, and it ends up on Wikipedia. This is the propaganda vortex. The way to break the matrix, we've asked the New York Times for correction. If they refuse to correct, we will sue them for defamation. You go after me, I come after you. Stay tuned. Interesting. So. He, he said he's reached out to the New York Times for a retraction. So when he says today, um, this is interesting. This is six minutes ago. Let's, let's, uh, we'll get to that in a second. His later posts. So maybe Fox 9 is also... Okay, here's the tweet I was looking for. Uh, this was three hours ago, this morning. James O'Keefe writes, we'll, we'll be filing a huge defamation lawsuit this week. Most journalists have become systematically corrupt. Okay, we read this already. This week, he's filing a huge defamation lawsuit, probably against the New York Times. Um, let's see what else we have up here. He says, I've been through discovery 12 times. Been, disposed, didn't, been deposed many times as well. We hide from nothing. We settle nothing and run from nothing. So perhaps you can clarify your statement. Project Veritas never lost a lawsuit, not one, and I'm still not standing. Or, and I'm still standing. And we are standing by our reporting. Somebody uh, says breaking. Libon... Osman, subject of Project Veritas' alleged voter fraud story, tells Leiden Fox 9 he was offered 10000 by Omar Jamal to say he was collecting ballots for Congressman Ilhan Omar. Omar Jamal was Project Veritas' insider in the Somali community. Uh, let's, we're going to look at that full thread in a second. That's interesting. Claim they're making, of course, there's a lot of people who are really pissed off by what transpired in those tapes. So what a convenient admission for him to make now. Um, I guess he would have to prove. I don't know. I, I Let's see what they're saying here. Uh, James says, this is bullshit. We stand by our reporting. 
and we are responding aggressively momentarily. So this guy says he was offered a bribe. Now, let's see what, what he says, if there's an interview. Before the so, uh, again, huge shout-out to everybody out there. I just want to take the opportunity to plug the Patreon. Uh, I put out videos all over the internet onto different platforms, and they're kind of hard to find. Um, so it's not, it's not like I'm selling content or anything. It's more like I'm notifying people when the content gets published onto other platforms. So you can find it if you uh, just follow me on all the platforms. But um, I, I put out some, as you can see, these thumbnails are for videos I put out just a couple over the past couple days. Um, I, I'm going to put out another one today, more videos to come. And uh, I just want to remind people that if you support the channel, you can just scroll through that page and there's a bunch of extra videos uh, that never hit YouTube. And a lot of times they can be more interesting and I can take more punches because I don't have to worry about the YouTube thought police destroying everything I've worked on. All right, let's check out this video for Fox 9. In Minnesota has now been seen more than a million. Massive voter fraud in Minnesota and America. Just one problem, he says. The allegations are a fabrication. The video manipulated after he turned down a bribe. How much was he willing to pay you? $10,000. $10,000 to lie and to say that you were collecting ballots for Ilhan Omar. Yes. Liban Osman is featured. Wow, it's this guy. Okay, this guy is not trustworthy, in my opinion. Uh, this guy has all these tapes out of him saying, like, cash is the king of this world, and he's got all these ballot heart, he's got all these ballots, and, um, this is interesting, though. Let's see a little more. ...prominently in this video by the right-wing disinformation group Project Veritas, led by... Wow, they called him a right-wing disinformation group? What? Imagine if some, I mean, geez. It's another reporter calling him that, too. I mean. James O'Keefe. This Veritas. Right-wing disinformation group, Project Veritas. Wow. Led by James O'Keefe. This video is one of the first of its kind. A man self-incriminating himself, bragging about all the illegal ballot harvesting that he does. Money is everything. Money is the king of this world. Liban was campaigning this summer for his brother, Jamal Osman, who won the Ward 6 city council race. He admits it looks bad, but says two different videos posted on Snapchat were taken out of context and edited together. In one from August, he's throwing shade at the skeleton campaigns of his brother's 11... <laughs> they, said, uh, <laughs> they said he posted it on Snapchat? Okay, I guess that's why I didn't recognize the user interface. I'm not a Snapchat user, but he posted videos of him harvesting ballots, potentially illegally, on Snapchat. Wow. And I think, I'm trying to think how that works. Can anybody tell me in the chat? You can pick who it goes to, obviously. So you could just send it to one person, or you could probably also send it to everybody, right? Let me know in the chat. Well, let's watch a little more here. Opponents stating a basic truth in modern politics. 
money matters. So I was just, you know, uh, saying like, if you want to run a campaign, you got to have a money, and you, you need to have an office, and you need to have an employee. Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. In the other video from July, Liban is picking up ballots at the request of voters, he says, many of them elderly. Something that, because of various court decisions, was permitted during a five-week period this summer. You took that envelope and you just put it in the mail. And put it in the mailbox, the blue mailbox. Not knowing who they voted for. Don't know because it's close. Those open envelopes. In the so, all right, I, I'm, I'm not one to usually say that I think someone's lying, but it just doesn't make sense. Like you're, you're collecting people's ballots to drop them off in a mailbox? Why don't they just drop them off in the mailbox? Dashi said were the envelopes the ballots came in. A couple voters, afraid of identity theft, asked him to shred it. Did you ever give people money no. in exchange for a vote? No, never. Did you ever tell them how to vote? No, never. He says he explained all this to Omar Jamal, the controversial community activist who is the star and so-called insider for Project Veritas. He says Omar told him Project Veritas would give him $10,000 to change his story, to say he was offering cash for people to vote for Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, a federal crime. And he was like, uh, why are you defending Ilhan? You know, why are you defending Ilhan Omar? This is not after you, and this is not after your brother. This is for Ilhan, you know, and you should get the money. So I told him you're insane, and I walked away. He was setting me up. And he may not be the only one. Project Veritas has received an explosive piece of tape. The There's also this man, seen accepting $200 to vote for Ilhan Omar, the exchange happening along Cedar Avenue. But sources tell us the man is actually a relative of Omar Jamal's, who thought Jamal was giving him $200 to send to another relative in Somalia. I was shocked. And I did talk to him, and Ali told me he did not know Jamal Omar was recording him. And those $200 was for a sick kid that lived in Somalia. Another name tied up in the Project Veritas conspiracy is... Well, that's interesting, um, if you believe it. Or even if we don't believe it, it's still an interesting claim. So, I mean, we're getting this, the other side of the story, which is, um, it's always good, right? So they're coming out, they're saying that he just picked up the envelopes for people. He is just a, a mailman's uh, assistant, I guess, getting them to the mailbox. And he was just happening. He was just, he just happened to be recorded giving his friend some money at the same time. He grabbed his ballot and they're actually related. <laughs> Let's keep playing. Lake street businessman, Bassem Sabri. He's Palestinian. Yeah. I think it's all un-American, it's all illegal. Reached in Miami, Sabri told me his attorney has sent a letter to Project Veritas threatening to sue for defamation. Did you supply any money in a cash for ballots type of scheme? I, I would never do that, ever, 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 never, because I'll be a hypocrite. I think Elan Umar is one of the people who are behind all this mess. Even Omar Jamal, who has used the ballot harvesting claim to raise more than 30000 for himself, is now reportedly changing his story, telling a Somali TV show he never actually witnessed an exchange of cash for ballots. 
Project Veritas denies it manipulated or misrepresented anything. Today interesting, interesting. Okay, so, well, even if what the other guy is saying is true, it seems like, as far as Project Veritas goes, they got a legitimate tip. They ran with it. And um, uh, what was I going to say? And they didn't know that the other guy potentially fabricated the evidence that he brought to them. But remember, they said it's BS. So we're going to loop back to the response from Project Veritas. They might have even posted some more tweets by the time we get there. But let's finish this video up. This is Fox 9's coverage on Project Veritas story possibly being rigged itself. Hey, their attorney tells me they also never offered money to Liban Osman. This to me is a man who is drowning in a sea of the consequences of his own actions, who is now trying to grasp at every possible straw to prevent himself from going under. This is, you know, wild, crazy, and baseless accusations. But all of this fits the Project Veritas MO, according to Stanford researchers, who say it appears to be a coordinated disinformation campaign. James O'Keefe meeting with Trump's Minnesota campaign chair, Mike Lindahl of MyPillow fame, right before the story was rushed out to compete with the New York Times blockbuster on President Trump's income taxes. Trump himself has tweeted and talked about the Project Veritas investigation as a cautionary tale of voter fraud, which almost every reputable source says is minimal. And what about Omar, where she gets caught harvesting? As with most Project Veritas stories, there are questions about what was left on the cutting room floor, including perhaps the truth. For the Fox 9 investigators, I'm Tom Law. <laughs> that conclusion, man. Oh, man. As with all Project Veritas tapes, there's a lot of questions about what remained on the cutting room floor. Was it the truth? All right, that was my best uh, impression there of that. Let's go back and loop back to uh, what Project Veritas is saying here. You work for the Fire Orc. A first, um, so he's writing to this guy. I should let's start with what he's replying to. Ari Cohen, thirty-eight minutes ago, wrote unethical, moronic, incompetent hack threatens bogus defamation lawsuit while calling journalists systematically corrupt. Or systemically corrupt. I, can't, I think I said that wrong before. Systemically corrupt. Dear reader, I truly do not know what to say. <laughs> and then, uh, so let's see who this guy is. Ari Cohen. He's only got like eight and a half thousand followers on Twitter. So James O'Keefe fires back three minutes ago. You work for the Fire Org, a First Amendment organization. We share the same donors, Ari Cohen. NYT called our videos disinformation because we shared and embargoed the videos ahead of time. What the hell would you call characterization? All right, I don't really know what these guys are going on about. I thought that was going to be something else. Um, here was James O'Keefe's response to the Fox 9 video we just watched. He says, this is BS. We stand by our reporting and we are responding aggressively momentarily. So stay tuned for that. That was only 20 minutes ago. All right, our next story, over the pond in uh, the UK, uh, Health Secretary Matt Hancock warns that patient cancer, I can't speak, cancer patients will not be treated 
if COVID-19 gets out of control. Again, Matt Hancock is threatening that cancer patients will only be treated if COVID-19 stays, quote, under control. So this is a direct threat. It's coercion. We will not take care of your grandparents, of your parents, of you yourself, unless you do exactly what we say. I mean, how much how much worse could it be than this? Um, I just wanted to point this out, side note. Uh, I saw this weird ad on my Twitter feed, and uh, I'm pretty good at, at avoiding ads, you know, Pretty much when I'm scrolling through Twitter, the first thing I look at is, is this an ad? And I try to ignore it and not even look at it. It's hard because of how subliminals work, right? But a lot of times people will start at the top of a tweet and then they'll like try to process it and be like, what's this person saying? And take it all in and then they get down to the bottom and it says promoted. So I noticed right away that this ad was promoted by the Gates Foundation, right? It says that at the bottom here. And it's a BBC real tweet and it had this ad on top of the ad which was weird so on twitter now they have in front of videos a lot of times they'll play like a a short little ad and i'm sure it'll get more uh, lengthier and more invasive and annoying in the future but the ad uh was about and i i didn't cat i didn't get a snapshot in time but the ad was about uh what was what's it called agenda 2030 i believe and it was like, it had that, let me, let me pull up the, the logo here. So this is the Agenda 2020 logo for sustainable development. And it, it coincides with these 17 goals here, which kind of sound good. But then again, that's what, how they're supposed to sound. You know what I mean? Like this is. Uh, the product of a lot of PR thought. And it's it's really sinister, I believe, when you look at what they're actually doing and what that means. If you read with a critical mind between the uh, between the lines. But they had this like weird animated graphic version of this, just like weird subliminal stuff. And uh, it was like spinning around. And I wish I I wish if I if I see it again, I'm going to try to get a, a video screenshot of it. But just weird. It's like, why is the Gates Foundation playing ads to, I don't know. And then the ads had ads. It was just kind of like, what was that movie? Inception. It was like ad inception. And it was really like terrifying. Uh, when you think about what those things that they're advertising are like they're advertising agenda 2030 now. Okay. Um, let me see what this next one is. I might skip this. Oh, okay. This is um, Kamala Harris. This is kind of their talking point at the moment. They're calling on the... Uh, they're calling on Chairman Graham. That's Lindsey Graham. So he's not going to do this. Uh, to delay the upcoming Supreme Court confirmation hearings. So they don't want... ACB, not to be confused with ACAB, they don't want her to be appointed to the Supreme Court. So they're just dragging their feet, they're sandbagging the whole operation, they're using every excuse they can come up with, and you guessed it, COVID is the main one. They're saying, we can't do it virtually because we need to have somebody as a witness. (laughs) 
I guess because of deep fakes. I haven't actually heard that argument yet. I probably shouldn't give them that argument, but maybe maybe a hacker could somehow interject ACB hologram, just like create creator with deep fake technology and just answer in real time and just subvert our whole democracy. It's a big threat to our democracy. So we can't have it virtually. Um, which is funny though if if you consider the the theory that um Cavendaugh what's the guy's name? Um Justice Cavendaugh or something. I wish I could spell this better. Brett Cavendaugh. So this guy got accused, right, by let me put him on the screen. Remember the last time somebody was entering the Supreme Court and that we went through this whole thing. It was in person. It was in person and it wasn't uh, virtual, like is the obvious answer to do it now. But, and and some people, by the way, just to answer the virtual argument, I know I'm all over the place, but uh, the Republicans are saying we can still have it partially uh, in witness form. We can have like a witness with the Supreme Court justice or some of it can be virtual, some of it can be uh, in person, maybe even doing COVID tests beforehand. But this is the guy here, Brett Cavendaugh. And uh, what's the guy, what's the woman's name that, uh, Blossy Ford or something, right? Christine Blasi Ford. Some people think that they're actually played by the same actor. Look at this. Some people think that this is the same person and it was just a, a big joke. Do I believe that? Not really. Although kind of. So I just think that's funny that, uh, now they're really worried about doing it virtually. Cause it might, I don't know what, the, what exactly they'd be arguing about why it can't be done virtually. Uh, we'll get to that. I think in a second or no, have we already, let me see. I think we have an article from yesterday that we can remind ourselves Why the Democrats don't want to. Huh. Can't find it at the moment. But here, let me just finish this tweet by Harris. Moving forward threatens the health and safety of everyone involved. <laughs> she says, moving forward threatens the health and safety of everyone involved. Now, she is also poised to play a big role in the ACB confirmation hearing or whatever it's called that might not be the technical phrase but and i think i think she also played a role in the uh in the cavendaugh hearing let's let's remind ourselves what she did because now she's the vice president okay senator harris Dr. Ford, first of all, just so we can level set, you know you are not on trial. <laughs> you are not on trial. Unless, you are sitting unless you're played by the same actor. Here before members of the United States Senate's Judiciary Committee because you had the courage to come forward because as you have said, you believe it was your civic duty. I was struck in your testimony by what you indicated as your intention when you first let anyone associated with these hearings know about it. And what you basically said is, 
you reached out to your representative in the United States Congress, hoping... I can't even really do this. Um, let's skip ahead. ...investigations launch an inquiry to determine their validity. The FBI fulfilled its duty and issued a confidential report. Well, that Why are you uh, partnering up with Joe Biden if this, if this issue really concerns you so much, Harris? I mean, she's just doing a, an act here. And um, I'm not saying that Kavanaugh is right in his actions or what. I don't know what happened here, but it's uh, I do notice that there's a big Coke bottle in the shot, which is <laughs> interesting. Um, all right, let's just move on. I've said enough. Too much. OK, um, here is Joe Biden saying he would make Roe Ro versus Wade the law of the land if Supreme Court overturns the landmark ruling. So I don't really know the, the specificity of it, but this sounds a little bit strange to me. Like if the Supreme Court overturns it, wouldn't that be the new law of the land? I guess, as we discussed earlier, the Supreme Court can only rule down things as unconstitutional, maybe. So they could pass the law and then the Supreme Court could knock that law down. I'm not sure. <laughs> I would think that, well, I don't even know what to think. I'm not going to try to guess. But let's just watch this clip here, 48 seconds, and I'll speed it up, too. Whenever I was graduating high school and entering college that I wanted to obtain my degree and start a career before starting a family. Having access to birth control and safe reproductive health care was imperative in making that um, true for me. So um, considering the new Supreme Court nomination of Amy um, Coney Barrett, what are your particular plans to protect women's reproductive rights in the U.S.? Number one, we don't know exactly what she will do, although the expectation is that she may very well move to overview, overrule Roe. And but the only thing, the only responsible response to that would be to pass legislation making Roe the law of the land. That's what I would do. Yeah, people in the chat are making fun of the microphone situation here. They have it wrapped up in plastic. I'm not sure how that would work, maybe, does the sound go through the plastic? I would think that would muffle the sound. Um, just over the top. I feel like it's just designed to, to make people think about COVID. Okay, this is how we're going to end the show on Donald Trump saying to repeal section 230, all caps, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. People are retweeting it. They're like, oh, finally, a, a, we're going to solve censorship. Do you guys even know what Section 230 is? Like, if this is your solution to the problems that we face with free speech and censorship, then you're you're just kidding yourself. And I don't think Donald Trump is our friend at all, especially not in this regard, because he had he could understand what's wrong with the with uh what's going on with the tech companies. They're they've just become over you know hyper part uh <laughs> hyper-political, and they're starting to delete people off their platform who they, don't, who they disagree with. And the whole group of uh, people on the left are, are kind of a cult, I feel like. And I'm not saying the other groups aren't cults, but this particular cult is trying to convince itself that everybody else is so dangerous and harmful and need to be deleted, and that it's okay, you can delete them. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's straight out of Fahrenheit 451. Um, 
But let's just do a little bit of a, a deeper dive into Section 230 because Trump's saying to repeal it. And a lot of people think that this is the backbone of the internet. This is how Google, Facebook, Twitter were able to rise to prominence. And that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. That means it helps small websites. This is a a protection for, actually it helps all websites because they basically have a pass through on the immunity or on the, uh, the liability, excuse me. So instead of the, when the government comes and they say so-and-so posted a a death threat, they can just say, well, you know, we just have the platform and there's section 230, which means you can't hold us accountable for what somebody else posts on the internet. So uh, look at this. It says on this website here, section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, uh, U.S. section or uh, 47 U.S. Code 230 is one of the most valuable tools for protecting freedom of expression and innovation on the internet. And it is. And I'm a web developer by um, by trade. At least I did it a lot more than I do it now. I'm probably going to get back into it. Uh, <laughs> I've always been in it. Um, but this is clearly not the answer. Repealing Section 230 is not going to help anything. I've heard other things proposed that actually seem like they might help, like on super big companies, they have to be more uh, regulated about who they ban and then have protected things that can't be banned. Um, but it just creates a whole a whole problem, I think. And I, I think also here's another thing. Um, if people want to go after the ability of sites to censor ideas they don't like, then we're not then how could you have an alternative that and maybe they they would say oh well we should just have total freedom of speech but i think the alternatives need to be able to censor the government agents and the uh so on and so forth just as much and the you know the state sponsored propaganda i'm just i'm just trying to really think through you know because space and, and storage is really expensive and so is bandwidth and a small company to compete, one thing it could do is just say, hey, we're going to be a really narrow niche site. We're going to service these types of people. You're not servicing us. We're going to come here and we're going to not really serve other people, which is exactly what Facebook is doing. So I don't I don't know why we don't just say, okay, Facebook, thanks for establishing precedent. Let's just um, <laughs> Let's just move over to sites that we like as well. But I see why people get really frustrated because it seems like everyone's on Facebook. They are because it's probably a spinoff of of DARPA and their LifeLog project. And uh, they were propped up by the mainstream media to get everybody onto this controlled, surveilled platform where they could control the flow of information. So I don't trust our oppressors being our saviors, right? The the system that's oppressing us online, who, look, look. DARPA also built the, the internet itself, if you believe the, the narrative. DARPA invented and they rolled out the internet. And then we had LifeLog, which was going to be a project to completely track everything that everybody did into, into profiles for each person, uh, which is exactly what <laughs> Facebook does. Um, and they, they closed down LifeLog the day Facebook opened up. Here's a, a 
quick meme on it. The meme asserts, <laughs> alleges that Facebook was created by DARPA to track a person's entire existence. And you can see here at the bottom, LifeLog ends February the 4th, 2004. Facebook starts February 4th, 2004. Uh, let's see what else this meme says. Uh, Regina Dugan, head of DARPA, 2009 to 2012, head of Facebook. Hmm. So listen to the description of LifeLog. LifeLog is an ontology-based subsystem that captures, stores, and makes accessible the flow of one person's experience in and interactions with the world in order to support a broad spectrum of associates, assistants, and other system cap capabilities. The objective of the LifeLog concept was to be able to trace the threads of an individual's life in terms of events, states, and relationships, and it has the ability to take in all of the subject's experiences, from phone numbers dialed, to email messages viewed, to every breath taken, step made, and place gone. Um, and then, of course, we have Facebook, and I think we can see the connection there, because Facebook also owns a lot of other major sites and health companies and um, what was I talking about? So when we hear the, the government arguing amongst themselves about how to save us from the corporations, which, you know, in, in some in some, in large part, I should say, uh, are intertwined through its very, you know, at, at a very deep level with one another. And, uh, they're not going to be our saviors here. So, I don't know why people are all like supporting Trump here when he says repeal Section 230, which is the reason the Internet has taken off. And uh, yeah, I, I'm seeing the uh, <laughs> the contradiction of what I just said there, because what I just said is the um, the Internet was always set up to take off. And there are these controlled platforms that used Section 230 uh, to rise up. But yeah, no, no. Now that I think about it, I don't know if that's a contradiction because that's just the government writing the law to help their companies that they knew were gonna rise to power, or in my in my hypothesis here, um, and give them legal protection to make a boatload of money. And anyone who gets in on the ground floor of a Facebook or a Google just is like you know seen insane returns over the past 10, 20 years. So I think this is all something we really need to consider. If anyone uh, from Trump's side want, wants to debate me on why repealing Section 230 is good, I'd love to have that debate. I really, I mean, I've looked at it. I, I wanted it to be a good suggestion, but it's going to hurt things like uh, BitChute, Brightian, Float, Library. So I think we need to be looking to make alternatives and sticking to the principles of freedom and using that freedom as best we can to make an impact for the positive. So I'm going to leave it with that. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, let me give some shout-outs in the chat. Uh, again, we are also on Patreon. Uh, that's where I put out notifications when I drop content onto other platforms. So I recommend either checking out me on other platforms. You'll see that there's um, exclusives on each of those, but I know that can be about a bit of a pain and people like YouTube. So Patreon gives you a way to be notified when the new content drops. And, um, 
I've been putting out a number of shows on uh, on that mechanism there. So let me see who's in the chat. True Patriot says, I live in Massachusetts, so I'm stuck with Liz Marquis and the Rhino Baker over here. So not much better off than California. Oh, sorry to hear that. Thanks for stopping by Mike and Charlotte. Uh, G-Boy, 1973. Yo, Sassy Frass, E-Chad, D-Truth in the house. Thank you everyone for stopping by. Rass Illusion, United Heretics Rising. Thank you everyone for stopping by. Good to see you, Steam Wind in the chat. Jamie. Did I get everyone? Looks like it. Let's see if there's any new people at the very bottom. Oz was in the house. Thank you everyone for stopping by. Beyond Awake, thank you for for being here and your kind words, everybody. Finn Freak, good to see you as well. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, check out the podcast if you're into podcasts and um, the Patreon if you're into Patreon. So thank you everyone who supports the channel and thank you everyone for watching. Have a great rest of your day.